Welcome to National Parks Traveler, where we explore the national parks and the issues that involve them. Utah has five spectacular national parks, and Arches is one of them. It's a relatively small park. The scenic drive is only 18 miles long, ending at the Devil's Garden area. But you'll have incredible views of the reddish rockscape the entire way right from your vehicle. Of course, it's always better to get out on the trails and take in as much off-road as your timetable and legs will allow. Two of the park's most impressive arches, Delicate Arch and Landscape Arch, are well worth the hiking you'll need to tackle to stand in awe before them. This is Kurt Repencheck, your host at the National Parks Traveler. This week, the traveler's Lynn Riddick and her trip companion, Tika Nathan, spent a day and a half in the park and offer up some of their experiences and observations. We'll be back in a minute with Lynn's report. Interior Federal Credit Union is pleased to introduce our upcoming seven-month certificate special set to launch on November 1st, 2023. This limited time offer features a competitive 5.75% annual percentage yield. It's a great way to make your savings work harder for you. Please note that this special rate is available for new funds only. If you've been exploring options to grow your savings, remember to mark November 1st on your calendar. We're here to help you achieve your financial goals. Apply for membership at interiorfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Adventure awaits. Explore the beauty of our national parks with Explorer Maps. Whether you're captivated by the breathtaking landscapes of Yellowstone or the wild shores of Acadia, Explorer Maps has a perfect map to connect you to your favorite place. Visit explorermaps.com to find your next adventure. The Everglades Foundation, the only organization whose sole mission is to restore and protect America's Everglades. Learn more at evergladesfoundation.org. The Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation is the primary nonprofit fundraising partner for the Blue Ridge Parkway. It is made up of people who have a deep love for this majestic road and want to ensure that its natural beauty and the experiences it offers endure for generations to come. Show your appreciation at vrpfoundation.org. This is Lynn Riddick and I'm here with my sister-in-law, Tika Nathan, and we are entering Arches National Park. It's actually our second day but this will be our first full day and we are just exiting the visitor uh, center parking lot and we're climbing the main road up into the mountains where uh, all the beautiful rock formations and arches are to be found. So hi Tika. Good morning. How are you? I feel great. Thank <laughs> you. It's just majestic. So what's really cool is, you know, coming in from Moab, we crossed the Colorado River and almost immediately you just see sheer cliffs and mountains of gorgeous orange and pink and tan you know sandstone just massive walls and cliffs and just it's just stunning just right out of the gate it's amazing right agreed <laughs> Arches was initially designated as a national monument in April 1929, when President Herbert Hoover signed a proclamation to reserve some 4,500 acres in southeastern Utah. The boundaries were expanded over time, and in 1971, 
Congress changed the status to National Park. So we are climbing, it's about 845 uh, on a beautiful sunny morning. Um, the road, the main road in that goes through the park is winding up um, in a climbing pretty good elevation so far. Sort of S turns as we climb up and up and up. And it's just um, looming chunks of rock just right above our car, in fact. It almost feels like some of these pieces could break off and cause a problem, but hopefully that's not gonna happen to us today. I feel pretty good, but there's definitely um, lots of rock fall uh, from um, years and years and years ago that have you know, piles of rocks that have settled in and just added to the stunningness of the landscape just amazing, just layer upon layer upon layer of sediment and rock as we climb um, up and up and up and see a good view over the valley. As a little hazy in the background or off in the distance, it's a little hazy, not sure why. Um, just could be uh, the way it is or maybe residual smoke from wildfires of last year, who knows? but it is pretty and looking off in the distance there are mountain peaks with still snow on top of them and you know we're not we were talking about this yesterday we're not sure if it is snowfall from this year or last year uh, we'll have to check into that but we continue to take the squiggly road up and up and up and just we're gonna have to stop along the way um, to check out some of these beautiful overlooks. As you drive through the park, you're looking at what hundreds of millions of years of erosion can do to an ancient salt bed left behind by an evaporated sea. The unstable salt bed was covered with thick layers of rock and sediment, and the weight of those deposits created incredible pressure, causing the salt bed to shift and buckle rise and fall and to squeeze out massive domes, pinnacles, cliff walls, and immense heaps of rock. We pulled off and we are looking at this really cool rock formation in front of us and it is called the organ. So it looks like just a thin wafer of solid rock, probably a thousand feet high. I don't know, that might be an exaggeration, but it's super high, but it's really thin, and it looks like you could just knock it over with your finger. So it's just a really interesting formation, I think, kind of catches your eye, but everything around here catches your eye, just stunning. The organ is part of a larger geological complex called Courthouse Towers. And indeed, many of the formations here look like enormous ancient buildings, human and animal forms, which are aptly named Tower of Babel, Cheap Rock, Three Gossips. So right now we're coming into this, we gotta pull over and get a picture. This is just amazing. You almost feel like you're in ancient Rome because you see all these rock formations that could pass for like, ruins of old temples or old coliseums or something. Just 
really, really stunning and unusual. And I think what's, what's impressing me the most so far about this park is that the beauty happens immediately. I mean, I guess I was under the impression that really the, the big money shots were the arches, and possibly that, that is true. But there's so much more here to see and just really unique, towering, you know, chunks of massive rock just everywhere you look in all directions. It reminds me, like you said, ancient Rome. I definitely see that that structure reminds me of ancient Egypt. Um, I haven't been, but like along the Nile, there's the Luxor and there's these big temples with these stone figures. And that's reminded me of that. And I know we also saw ones that look like the Great Sphinx. So I love the reference to the ancient Egypt and ancient Rome. And again, we're, we're passing by these sheer rock faces, just kind of thin, just standing out in the middle of nowhere, but just propped up and reaching toward the sky and just, I don't know, how, is that a thousand feet? Is that 2,000 feet high right in front of us? It's just this, it almost looks like a, an old building, you know, just popping out of nowhere. What we are seeing are fins, freestanding columns and wafer-shaped strips of rock. They first begin as a solid plateau. Millions of years of water and wind seep into cracks and gaps, scouring away sandstone and sediment. Water within the cracks turns to ice, causing the rock to expand and break apart. Further erosion forms fins, which kind of look like a tray of cookies arranged side by side in neat rows that you pull out of a package. The center of the fins erodes, opens up and forms the arches that you see in the park today. I'm Lynn Riddick and we'll be back with more from Arches National Park after this break. Grand Teton National Park Foundation is a private, nonprofit organization that supports projects that protect and enhance Grand Teton National Park's cultural, historic, and natural resources. By funding initiatives that go beyond what the National Park Service could accomplish on its own, foundation donors improve the visitor experience and provide benefits to the national park system for decades to come. You can see their successes at gtnpf.org. Washington State is graced with three spectacular national parks, each different and special in their own unique ways. As the official nonprofit partner and the only philanthropic organization dedicated exclusively to supporting these parks through charitable contributions, Washington's National Park Fund has a mission to raise private support to deepen everyone's love for, understanding of, and experiences in Mount Rainier, North Cascades, and Olympic National Parks. Share your passion for these parks at WNPF.org. The Yosemite Conservancy helps visitors connect with Yosemite through adventures, volunteering, and the arts. It's the only nonprofit dedicated to supporting Yosemite National Park and funds grants to improve trails, restore habitat, protect wildlife, and inspire the next generation of nature lovers. Learn more at Yosemite.org. Acadia National Park is one of the 10 most popular national parks in the United States. It's also one of the smallest and most vulnerable. 
That's why Friends of Acadia exists. Friends of Acadia is an independent organization of passionate people inspiring those who love this magnificent park to make a real and lasting difference for Acadia. You can make a difference at friendsofacadia.org. I'm Lynn Riddick, and I'm back now with Tika Nathan with more about our trip to Arches National Park. I love the time of year we're here. There wasn't a line coming into the park. Definitely see cars. We know people are here, but it's November 7th, and I feel like we sort of have the park to ourselves at this point. Yeah, as we go along Scenic Drive, there are no cars in front of us and no cars behind us, so we're going, uh, well, actually off in the distance I do see a few cars, but we're not following slowly behind anybody, nobody's tailgating us, it's just a nice leisurely pace, and I love it, and it's perfect day, it's real windy, um, we're dressed in layers, um, it's not cold in the least, just gorgeous. So. So yesterday, so we entered the park around, I think about 3.30, right? Yes. And so we did a pass through. We, um, we went up, you know, daylight savings has just ended. So uh, our daylight hours were limited. So we drove immediately up to um, Delicate Arch. And it was just, you know, just a beautiful drive and we got out and we did the the hike there's a sh there's two different hikes up to delicate arch one is a shorter hike what was that about a half a mile yes to a viewpoint yeah and it was um, you know it's not the easiest hike you ever took um, there is some elevation and you're climbing up some uh, it's, it's mostly a gravel path um, and there are some slick spots on it but it's just stunning as you go up and you can see a really good view of the arch uh, from there. And then we also took the other trail, which is longer, three mile round trip, right? Yes, uh-huh. Wolf Ranch, I think it's called, Wolf Ranch Trailhead. Little bit of uh, paved trail, and then it gets rocky, and then you are uh, hiking over what we learned is called Utah uh, Slick Rock and you just go up and up and up and up and the sun was setting and just beautiful in every direction that you could see. You kind of have to watch your step because it is a little slippery and it is, you know, the, the hike climbs and climbs, um, but you always know that on the way back, you're gonna go downhill mostly. So, <laughs> so that's good to remember. I think they categorized it as moderately strenuous and. I definitely agree. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't easy. It was moderately strenuous. Delicate Arch is one of the most popular spots in the park, so crowds can be a factor. And climbing up to the arch can be tiring. Given our November visit, we passed only a few people who were on their way down, but found ourselves asking them, how much farther? After we did that trail, we um, kind of stopped at some other places. We stopped at the Balance Rock. Um, it's kind of a little wheelchair accessible um, 
kind of a little loop that goes around Balance Rock and some other rock formations. And uh, it was quite pleasant and it was getting dark by that time and we saw the very first light we saw, the very first star we saw in the sky, we first mistook it for an airplane. That this month, the Jupiter is really strong, has a strong presence in the sky, sort of across from the sun and comes out as the sun's setting. And it was just spectacular. It was like the biggest white marble I'd ever seen Jupiter look. So, so yeah, Jupiter, and then then the stars really started popping out. Yeah, and little by little you start seeing more and more stars, and then the next thing you know, the sky is just filled with stars. Of course, you know, this is a really super dark place and a great place to stargaze because uh, there isn't any light pollution around. We could even make out the Milky Way. The Milky Way too, which you don't get to see much anymore these days with all the light pollution. So we're coming up on Balance Rock and we had stopped here, uh, like this is where we took a good look um, at Jupiter yesterday, last night, and this is really something to see. Oh, I think I read that it's like the size of three school buses, but it looks way bigger than that. It looks the size of 10 school buses or more and just, yeah, balanced on a thin little middle part and then gradually gets bigger. So what did we say last night in the silhouette? It was really interesting to see it in silhouette that it looked maybe sphinx-like or like a, a woman with her hair in a chignon. Right, looking off into the distance. It's got beautiful backdrop behind it, the, those white snow-capped mountains, like on the other side of it. Balanced Rock marks the turnoff to the windows section of the park, where you'll find Pothole Arch, Turret Arch, Double Arch, North Window, South Window, and other notable formations. Look at this. Okay. Arch sighting. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And lots of little holes. Maybe not necessarily arches, but little peepholes through some of the rock formations. But wow, that's a giant one up in the distance. It's a giant arch up in the distance. And you just see, you know, flaky layers of rock, almost like puff pastry. And you see just swirling patterns of all the different layers over the millennia. I see arches and I see people inside the arches. Fabulous. Oh, so we can't wait. Pulling into the parking lot to the window section and we're gonna pop out and go take a walk. The first cool thing, other than everything that we see, is a big long kind of a horizontal big chunk of rock and there's a big opening in the center of it where you can see just solid blue sky and some puffy white clouds 
And I guess this is probably the window. And there's all these kind of cool rock um, outcroppings that almost look like the folds of your outer ear. Like right here. Uh -huh, that looks See that? to me like an arch in the making. Yeah. What we were looking at is called biceps arch, which is an example of a cliff wall arch, one of several types of arches in the park. All right, heading toward the north window. I'm glad they have these steps here that are sort of a blend of a ramp and steps. Makes it easier than those gravel paths. Get better traction. So we are right here at the base of the window. It's this towering arch almost directly overhead. Some people gathered around also kind of exploring underneath here. You're allowed to walk right up to it. They actually say don't linger very long because rocks can fall. <laughs> and when you see some little kind of wedged in little cracks, you can believe that could happen. All right, well, no lingering. Over time, erosion and gravity take their toll and arches do collapse. In recent years, a couple of arches or sections of arches in the park have tumbled down, but no visitor injuries occurred. Yes, yeah, so we are continuing to the turret arch. And what was your comment just now? You get a lot of bang for your buck off this trail. That's true. And that's probably why the park ranger, when we checked in at the visitor center yesterday, late in the afternoon, and said, where's a good place to go see the sunset? He said, the windows section. And probably, I mean, I don't think you can get a bad sunset anywhere in this park, but he probably knew this was a good stopping point for your very first. Yeah, sort of any direction you look, it's a great view, a great place to take a photograph. I'm Lynn Riddick, and we'll be back with more from Arches National Park after this break. Amidst the rustling leaves and fading sunlight, the National Park's traveler stands at a crossroads. For the past 18 years, we've been your eyes on climate change impacts, guardians against invasive species, and the unwavering voice for parks big and small. But now, we need you, because without adequate funding, we will have to shut down by the end of the year. Through our over 250 podcast episodes, we've explored crown jewels of the park system, as well as overlooked wonders. We've taken you from the shores of Cape Hatteras to the white sands of New Mexico. We've headed up discussions with park superintendents, and we've sat down with seasoned park rangers. We've shared campfire stories, conversed about cookbooks, and gazed at the stars with a dark ranger. Doug Lean of Ranger Doug Acclaim calls the traveler the NPR of National Park News the Lonely Planet virtual guidebook to the NPS galaxy. Most small independent and publicly supported news outlets are vanishing in America. Kurt keeps the NPS on its toes and the public informed, says Lee, a once upon a time seasonal ranger who spent decades collecting and preserving Works Progress Administration National Park posters. Now, we ask you to close your eyes and picture a world without the National Parks Traveler. As the sun begins setting on our journey, National Parks Traveler humbly asks for your support. 
As a 501c3 nonprofit, we depend on donations from listeners like you. If this daily coverage is important to you, please stop by nationalparkstraveler.org and pledge a donation. Full of stunning photography and thought-provoking reads, Smokey's Life is a biannual magazine produced by Great Smoky Mountains Association. Members receive it free of charge each spring and fall, and it is available for purchase in retail stores throughout Great Smoky Mountains National Park and online at smokiesinformation.org. Whether it be strategy, business planning, change management, board development, executive search, or diversity planning, Potrero Group is here to help. They mix a depth of experience in the parks and land space with a breadth of best practices from other industries. For more information or to schedule a preliminary conversation, go to potrerogroup.com, P-O-T-R-E-R-O group.com. I'm Lynn Riddick, and I'm back now with Tika Nathan with more about our trip to Arches National Park. So now we are approaching the parking lot for the trailhead to Devil's Garden, correct? Yeah. So what trail is this that we're going to be on, and what kind of things are we going to see? This is an all-you-can-eat buffet, it looks like. I think the whole trail is seven miles, but we're going to do a much shorter version of that but it looks like there's 10 or more arches along uh, this trail devil's garden is at the end of scenic drive and trails including some primitive ones lead to spectacular formations the park has over 2,000 stone arches the most you'll find anywhere You'll see examples of several different types of arches along Devil's Garden Trail. The first is Landscape Arch. This first arch just sort of all of a sudden appears out of the background. I mean, the sun, the way the sun's hitting it makes definite lines, um, creates definition against the rock behind it. And I feel like it's camouflaged because what we were used to was the windows where you had the blue sky behind it. And this has, it's a huge arch, but it has rocks behind it. So it's sort of camouflaged. Yeah, absolutely. And then just right to the right of it is another sort of mini arch, thicker on the top part. The first one is landscape arch. And boy, it looks really fragile to me because one piece of it on the right side looks really skinny. Now, how, th how wide that is uh, is anyone's guess, but that looks like a pretty fragile spot. Landscape arch spans 306 feet. In 1991, hikers heard a loud crack and watched as a 60-foot slab of rock broke off of the right side of the arch and crashed to the ground, leaving a 180-ton rock pile. That's why it looks thinner on one side. You can't help but wonder how long the arch will hold up and whether it might ultimately collapse in the near future. Now the trail becomes actual red sand where we've been kind of on a gravel path. Oh yeah, like walking on a beach. Mm -hmm. 
Land of the Lost keeps coming to mind. You're kind of slogging through it. it. Takes a little bit of extra effort to pull your feet up out of the thickness of it all. But obviously sand that's eroded off limestone for many, many millennia. It's so peaceful here, not quite as windy right now. A little more tiring to get through this thick sand, but definitely we're still surrounded by rocks 1,500 feet or higher above us. Pretty spectacular. The primitive trail begins just past Landscape Arch and will take you to Double O Arch, Dark Angel, and Private Arch. We chose to turn around before the going got too tough. So as you pass the arch and continue on the trail, uh, the sand gives way to rock and uh, it's a lot of smooth sandstone and it's kind of nice because you do get a lot of traction. It's not slippery. Um, but then it gets steeper and steeper, and then you find yourself kind of scrambling up over rocks and watching every footstep so you don't come tumbling down. Then it gets pretty steep, and then eventually, if you're like us, we decided to turn around. So, but it was definitely worth uh, giving that a shot. It's pretty treacherous. I, I would say most people wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's head back down. So what do you think? We're, we're here at the trailhead, Broken Arch Trail now. What do you think? You want to? It says it's not broken yet, but you can see sort of a divot um, in the middle where water and eventually could cause erosion. It says it's a short trail. You can go up and back or go through the arch and it's kind of primitive on the other side that loops around to this parking lot. Yeah, coming up on a divergence of the path. Go this way, Broken Arch, 830 yards. I think we can do eight and a half football fields, right? And then to the left, Tapestry Arch, 300 yards. So we are going to be seeing some arches any minute. Okay, so that's Tapestry Arch. See it? Uh -huh. Right through here. Yeah. It almost looks like a triple arch with mm -hmm. the one in the center the most pronounced. Very cool. This is yeah, the others on the side are waiting for their big moment. <laughs> and, you know, in a couple hundred million years, yeah, they'll, they'll have their moment. <laughs> <laughs> you let me know when it happens. It's really so peaceful and quiet and desolate out here on this trail. Oh, right there. Oh my gosh, it just appears out of nowhere. Look at that. Okay, so uh, here is where you can just continue on the trail through the arch to see what's on the other side. And I love how there's like a, a lone tree, like a juniper tree or shrub 
growing right on top of the arch, like defying nature and finding a really unlikely spot to grow and thrive. Really pretty. But there definitely is a fissure in between, right in the center, and so who knows how long that will continue to hold. Okay, so that wasn't a bad hike at all. The tail end of it as we approach the parking lot is a little of a steep incline as you slog your way through some really super dry, fine sand. And watch out because the person behind you might get a face full of dust with your, as you walk through the sand, kick it up. Okay, so we're kind of heading out of the park. We're still on Scenic Road, and we're heading downhill out of the park, watching the beautiful scenery go by. So, so how would you sum it up? How would you sum up Arches National Park? It is glorious. It is has little tastes of other national parks, but it's definitely its own thing. And every little trailhead, every arch, each one was fantastic. I didn't feel like you just had to do one certain thing. Anything you chose, you were treated at the end with some spectacular sight. Yeah, me too. And again, it's not all about the arches. There's so many other really amazing, huge, massive, rock formations everywhere you look in every direction it's definitely geology on display like if you were taking a geology course like i think a professor could come and basically show you the entire history of geology in this one part yeah just so much interesting everywhere you look it's just a spectacular sight and just something notable and memorable and not just about the arches so uh Come for the arches and stay for the rest of the beauty. It keeps you wanting to come back for more. Definitely, yeah. And you know what else is really an interesting point to make about this park is that it's, it's pretty small. It's pretty manageable. This is very manageable in a day or two. A big bang for your buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, this was your idea to come here and I'm so happy that you had this suggestion because I am so happy that we got this opportunity. Well, me too. It was, it's on that list. My other family members got to go and I wasn't with them. And they talked about it with so many superlatives that I'm like, darn, I didn't get to go there. But now I have, so thanks for making this wish come true. Thank you. That's our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. And we hope you've had a great Thanksgiving break with family and friends, and maybe even a quick trip to a national park. For The Traveler, this is Kurt Rappencheck. See you in the parks. The composers and musicians at Orange Tree Productions have created a unique collection known as the National Park Series that has grown to include more than 30 CD titles. Composed against the backdrop of a park's sounds of nature, these musical scores will connect you with these beautiful places and take you there, at least in your mind. 
This collection is the number one selling National Park audio series in the world and provides the background music for National Parks Travelers podcasts. Visit them at orangetreeproductions.com. Editing and production work for the National Parks Traveler podcast is done by Splitbeard Productions. You can learn more about us at splitbeardproductions.com. National Parks Traveler is a 501c3 nonprofit media organization that provides daily editorial coverage of national parks and protected areas. Traveler's coverage is made possible by reader and listener donations. Visit us at nationalparkstraveler.org.